Welcome to the White Shield Podcast, the poor man's Warhammer 40,000 podcast. My name is Matt, and I recently managed to trick my co-worker and friend Dion into stepping into the bottomless money pit that is Warhammer 40,000, the tabletop war game. So I'm hoping to take him on a journey through all the grimdark and Byzantine nonsense that makes up this hobby, as I hope to show him all the wonderful and awful things it is I love about Warhammer. So open your paint pots, sit back, and get to work on that big pile of grey plastic I know you have sitting in front of you as we take him on this journey together. Okay, welcome back to the White Shield Podcast. Uh, again, I'm Matt, I'm sitting here with Dion, and uh, today we are going to be talking about a specific uh, 40k character. Um, I made of, might have lied a little bit on the, uh, on the Facebook there, because I said that we were going to do two characters, and Dion was going to be talking about one, however... He apparently has better things to do with his life than spend 80 hours a week thinking about Warhammer. Um, so No, it's work. It's work, yeah. Okay, he's actually working and I'm a bum, so I'm not working. But uh, unfortunately, we're only going to be doing one character today, so this is going to be a pretty quick, short episode. But it's nevertheless an interesting character. Um, doing this in hopes that uh, the first 10 episodes are kind of going to be a build-up to the Horus Heresy. Did, did we talk about that at all, you and me? Mm. In the podcast, or uh, no? Have we t- have told you my idea with this? No. So I'm hoping that the next uh, epi- up to episode ten, episode ten, we're talking Horus Heresy. That's what we're gonna get yeah, to. The big, yeah. So big this event. is a, this is our road to it. The next, the next. Uh, <laughs> our roadmap, yeah. yeah. This is episode three. Next six episodes are things you need to know about the Horus Heresy. Before um, talking to, before talking about the. Before talking about the ha- so Horus Heresy, figured out what happens really. Basically, yeah, it's it's the reason we want to talk about the Horus Heresy is because uh, to to talk about the Horus Heresy or to talk about so much in Warhammer, you need to understand the Horus Heresy. But to understand the Horus Heresy, you need, you need to, to understand many things. Yeah, before. Um, so with that said, uh, I know in that first episode, I was well, what are we going to talk about in our first episode, Dion? But um, I honestly think, like, not to not to sound rude, I think that might have exhausted your pool of guessing like do you have any idea who we're talking about today no yeah i didn't think so (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna be talking about anything we're gonna be talking about who may be the greasiest sleaziest motherfucker in the 40k setting period and that's saying something because there's a lot of just miserable yeah miserable pricks in warhammer and we're talking about the worst of them uh his name is erebus of the Wordbearers Legion, which I mentioned before, Wordbearers are one of my favorite legions. Uh, Erebus is like the shithead to end all shitheads, and he's a member of the Wordbearers. Um, I, I would have preferred to do this as like a head-to-head where you get to talk about yep. a guy too, because Erebus honestly doesn't have a lot going with him. He's not a super interesting character in the long scheme of things, he's not super prevalent in the story outside of this one incident, mm-hmm. but you need to know who he is. Cause he's instigated some shit. He's very important. Yeah. I've talked about him a little bit to you. Um, so we're going to just some background information, uh, for yourself as well as for uh, any listeners who are new to Warhammer. Um, yeah. before we get into who Erebus is, just things you need to know so I can tell his story. Uh, do you know what a Space Marine Chaplain is? Like, what they do? I know we've played a g- couple games, and I'm always running Chaplains because I have a fetish yep. for them, but, like, <laughs> uh, do, you, do you know what they are what they what they're there for? Uh, trying to think briefly. 
Uh, so I don't think it comes across on the tabletop very well. No, my guess would be they're, like that they're religious thing part, but uh, sort of. The weird thing here is is everything we're talking about in this episode is pre-heresy. Uh-huh. So the religious aspect is toned down. And space marines don't actually believe the emperor is a god. So that's also toned down. Uh, the chaplains, though, are spiritual leaders, but they're they're primarily disciplinarians. Like, their main job is to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do and everybody's morale is maintained. Unlike real-world chaplains, where they make sure morale is maintained by, like, giving out candy and oh, yeah. organizing bingo events, uh, in this one they kill you. <laughs> okay which i think is its own problem because there's, it's, there's <laughs> some things in the 40k lore about not the chaplains necessarily but the judiciars which are like junior chaplains in training carry this big fuck off blade for like yeah. cutting your head off yeah it doesn't come off come across in the game but what that sword's actually for is if they find somebody who's not doing their job they kill them it's good for them all. It is, but, but <laughs> space marines are never not doing like i've never heard of an incident where a space marine's like no, I'm just going a hit wall. I'm yeah. not doing the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. they're fucking space marines. But anyway, so chaplains, you need to know for this episode, are just uh, basically officers that are there to maintain morale and discipline. Um, in the context of, like, the Great Crusade era, so pre-Horus Heresy, mm-hmm. uh, they were kind of started with the word bearers i believe like the word bearers if they didn't create the idea of the chaplain they absolutely had the most chaplains were the word bearers uh warrior lodges another thing we need to talk about a little bit i think they might deserve their own episode down the road but the warrior lodges were secret fraternal organizations of space marines like they were super secret like the the emperor had no knowledge of them i don't think the primarchs for the most part even knew of these warrior lodges it was like basically guys within the space marine legions prior to them going traitor Uh would meet in these lodges and i i picture it like the uh the freemasons like like they're just secret groups that hung out and did fraternity stuff together um they were largely based off of like the practices of like warrior cultures on planets that the space marines had conquered or come from like a lot of space marines after they met their primarchs started mm-hmm. coming from like tribal warrior planets yep. and some of them brought these ideas into the legions and then that turned into warrior lodges uh one of the important things with these warrior lodges as well i think i don't know who was and who wasn't part of them but a good chunk of the warrior lodges or sorry not a good chunk of the warrior lodges a good chunk of the traitor legions had a lot of dudes in the warrior lodges and that's kind of how some things spread around was because they were all like away from the eyes of the emperor and away from the eyes of the primary their own network yeah and they could be like hey buddy i know this thing that we're not supposed to talk about uh the last little thing we got to talk about quickly before we get into this is the interrex which was a secret not secret it was a, a a human empire okay that coexisted peacefully with aliens so it was both aliens and humans lived together in this little galactic empire, and they were happy and largely peaceful. Uh, they were very, like, where 40k on the whole is grimdark, yeah. the Interrex was noble bright. Like, they were very happy. Everything was technologically advanced and stable. Um, basically, think Star no Trek. Yeah, no. think Star Trek. They were, okay. they were how the world is in Star Trek. 
the key thing with the Interex though is they were dedicated to combating chaos. Like they re- they knew about chaos, which no one else knew. They even even the Space Marines didn't know about chaos. The Interex knew about chaos, and they were devoted. They to... did not like chaos, and they were devoted to destroying chaos. Um, because of that, and because they had like aliens that were part of them, they had a a collection of like really ancient technology and artifacts and mm-hmm. stuff that were like of alien origin or of chaotic origin and they kept them all in a big museum that they called the hall of devices uh so it's just that's just an important little thing to talk about the interax is actually a really really important faction in the lore uh because i won't say who but especially when we get to talking about a couple of the other characters and legions and uh the great crusade as a whole, we really have to talk about the Interacts. But for this episode, talking about Erebus, the Interacts are just a little space empire that had access to chaotic weapons as like a kind of a warning. They kept them aside because they were like, hey, this, this is, is dangerous. Yeah, this is dangerous. Don't touch it. And then they put it on display in a public okay. access library and said, don't touch it. Oh. Um, so, Erebus. Who is he? Who um, is he? Do you know anything about Erebus? I know I've talked at length about him, but do you know anything about him? Yeah, no, and I can recall. So, Erebus is currently, I'm talking post-Heresy era, like right now in 40k, what's he doing? Yeah. Uh, he's currently the, uh, not the, but a high-ranking Dark Apostle, which are okay. the bad guy version of Space Marine Chaplains. So Space Marines have Chaplains, mm-hmm. Chaos Marines have Dark Apostles. He's a, a very high-ranking Dark Apostle of the Word Bearers, currently. Um, he was previously the first chaplain of the Word Bearers. So you have, like, no. your first company, second company. He was the, the chaplain of the first company of the Word Bearer Legion prior to the heresy. Uh, as I mentioned, what faction does he belong to? The Word Bearers. Um, he is still around in the 40k lore, He's not doing anything of note right now. Yeah. He's not an important character anymore. Everything we're going to be talking not everything, but 99% of what we're talking about today, Horus Heresy. Or this is just before the Horus Heresy. That's where he's important. That's why we're talking about him. Um, so, a little bit of background on uh, Erebus. He was born on a planet called Colchis in the late 30th millennium. So that's the same planet Lorgar, the Primarch of the Word Bears, was. I uh, did speak a little bit about Colchis, but uh, for in case you forgot or for anyone who doesn't know, Colchis is a very deeply religious planet dominated by a number of like warring cults that all yeah. kind of believe some version of the same story. There's four gods. Mm-hmm. Secretly, it's chaos. They don't know it's chaos. They just think there's four gods, but they don't know it's bad gods. Yeah. But obviously, like they're they're always killing each other over this. Um, Lorgar, a little baby Primarch that grew up there, uh, eventually rose to become the, like, head priest of this religion, but Erebus was just some dude on this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the important thing to know about Erebus, it's gonna get a little confusing here, he was not always named Erebus. Okay. We don't actually know what his name was, his birth name, but as a child, before he took the name Erebus, yep. he was, like, since he was born, he was always a shithead. And I don't mean like, like just a bad kid. He was like the killing cats kid. Like he was always oh. he was always in the garden pouring salt on slugs, and and um. killing neighborhood cats and pushing other kids down banks just because he got off on it. Like he always 
he he's narcissistic. He always thought he was better than everyone else. He always thought he was de- like destined for something. Um, but he also liked pushing his limits and pushing the limits of others just to see what would happen because huh. he, he liked really twisting, like playing with morality and stuff. Um, he also really enjoyed uh, like manipulating people as much as he could. He just liked seeing how much it's he could how push much people. People are gonna react and. So basically, he's a serial killer. Like think, <laughs> think the typical like if you've read anything about any serial killer and you're he's, like, he's the guy. They're growing up and they're like, well, that that guy was killing cats and pushing kids in, into fucking pools and stuff as a child. How did we miss that this was gonna happen? That was Erebus. Erebus is point for point a fucking serial killer growing up. Um, so again, his name wasn't always Erebus, but we'll call him Little No Name. In Little No Name's neighborhood, like, even his parents were like, Little No Name, you're a fucking shit pump. Why you like this? Why are you such a bad kid? In Little No Name's neighborhood, there was another boy named Erebus. We'll say they're probably like six or seven, like little kids. Everybody loved Erebus. Everybody was always like, Erebus is such a good kid. He's so nice. He's lovely. He got jealous. Little No Name, his parents were like, Little No Name why can't you be more like Erebus? And he's like, you want me to be Erebus, do you? And he goes out one day and he kills Erebus as a fucking child, murders another child, kills him dead, and then takes his name. I don't okay. really know middle, middle, middle here. Like, I don't think they ever explained this. Like, you got to keep in mind, like, these guys, I think, are operating at, like, a medieval level of technology. It's not like he can hack into records somewhere and change yeah. anything. I don't know how a village of deeply religious people who live on a set of moral principles didn't ha- like notice their blood-soaked son come home one day being like, I'm Erebus now. How they didn't just be like, okay, we're killing you. Like <laughs> you're clearly a, a, going to be a problem in the future. But anyway, he, he, I, I assume he might've killed his family or something, but like, like as well, but basically he, he was always told, as a child, why can't you be more like Erebus? Why couldn't you be Erebus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he goes and kills Erebus, assumes Erebus's name and identity, and then lives as Erebus going forward. Wow. So everybody thinks this kid is Erebus now. Uh, the real Erebus, the original Erebus, was a very good moral kid. He was very studious. He uh, like was studying in the priesthood. Mm. He was going to grow up religiously. Like he had a good life set out of him. Yeah, yep. When little no name killed him and became Erebus, he took that life as well. He started oh. studying and, and at first mm. he just did it because he was just emulating what this kid did and he had no interest in religion or anything. Um, but, uh, I guess it grew on him. It, well, yeah, what it was, was something like, I, I again, I didn't really read the story, but it, it's the footnotes version is he didn't really care too much about the religion at all. He was just like, whatever. It's just like a stepping stone to the next motherfucker I can manipulate. Yep. But something happened where one day he walked by a mirror that was shattered in four. Like the mirror was broken and it had like four different chunks kind of yeah. that were all reflecting his face. So he could see four of himself in it. And being that cult just worship these four gods, and these gods go back way, way back. Uh, Erebus walked by this mirror and caught his reflection in it and had some sort of epiphany 
where he's like, everything I've been doing in my life has been guided by these four gods. These gods mm. are taking me to my greater destiny. They're, they're, oh, yeah. the gods are watching me. So he the saw god- himself in the mirror and was like, the god, these are the gods' eyes watching me here. So then he got really into the religion. He started really studying the religion. Um, he, uh, he kind of went up the ranks through the church or whatever. Mm-hmm. Middle, 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 middle. The emperor shows up, finds the Primarch Lorgar, gives him the word bearer's legion. By this point, Erebus had fallen in with Lorgar and kind of joined Lorgar's version of the cult. Lorgar at that point was saying, no, there's only one god that's going to come to us. There's not four gods. Yeah. Erebus was still convinced. That there was four. There's four, but he's like, this dude's powerful. I'm going to I'm gonna side with him right now. He's running things, uh, yeah. right? Got to go where the power is. So he very quickly wound up with er- with Lorgar. Lorgar brought him with him into the word bearers and he became a chaplain. Um, the difference, though, was... Lorgar, like Lorgar and Erebus were buddies because they were both extremely devout and they got along because of that. But Lorgar believed the emperor was a god and Erebus didn't. Erebus kept refusing this idea. So in secret, he continues to believe his own beliefs and serve his own gods. And he's like, I'm going to prove that this is true. He's like, I'm going to prove my beliefs and I'm going to prove the emperor is not a god. I will prove the other four gods are more powerful. My story is right and yours is wrong. Yeah, and so in secret, he'd been working against Lorgar and everybody else from the moment he set out. Like, the moment he got into the Legion, he's ah, like, fuck this. Traitor had to start. Yes. So, kind of an aside, away from Erebus for a minute, Lorgar, the Primarch. So, again, so everybody's on the same page. Lorgar is a Primarch of the Word Bearers. I've talked about him before. He is the uh, religious dude, right? Uh, he always had difficulties staying in line under the Emperor. Because, as I mentioned before, the Emperor was always like, religion bad, science good. And Lorgar, growing up in this space cult, was like, religion is good. Religion good, right? And he kept going to planets and being like, have you heard about the God Emperor? And then the God <laughs> oh, yeah. Emperor was like, stop doing this, right? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the final thing that, that really, tur- like, the, he's always had issues with the Emperor, following the Emperor's rules. But the big breaking point we talked about in the Ultramarine episode was the yeah. raising of Monarchia. When yeah, he was Ultram- making his own city. Yeah, he made his own city, yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, and... The, the Emperor shows up with Gilliman and burns down the city in front of Lorgar, and Lorgar's sad, and he turns away. This is where Erebus shines, is Lorgar watches his city burn, and he watches his god dad be like... I'm not your god, and I'm not your dad. And get, I'm killing everyone. Get in fucking line, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Like, just yeah. do as I say, right? So he's all sad and broken. Erebus, at this point, was finally able, because Lorgar's broken down enough, that he was I'm able to say, yeah, he was able to go up to him and be like, hey, I know you're feeling bad, but, like, I can make you feel better. And it basically came down to the emperor not only does not want to be your god, he doesn't value your warship. And Lorgar's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. He doesn't value my lord, my my warship. And Erebus is like, I know someone who will. I know someone who wants your warship and will value you and will make you powerful if you worship them. And of oh. course, he's talking about the Chaos Gods. Yep. So now he's whispering in fucking Erebus's e- or Lorgar's ear about like the Chaos Gods, the Chaos Gods, the Chaos Gods. Um, it should be worth mentioning too, and this would be talked about in Lorgar's own episode. Lorgar's adoptive dad was kind of like Erebus. 
he also believed in the four mm-hmm. chaos gods. He also refused to follow Lorgar's beliefs. And he was also a, a chaplain in the Legion. And so, or sorry, he was the first captain. And so now Lorgar has his two like right-hand men both whispering in his ears, being like, chaos good, emperor bad, chaos good, emperor bad, and yeah, kind of set in motion. Um, this is what kicked off the Horus Heresy, and this is why we're talking about Erebus, is as I mentioned, we want to build up to talk about the Horus Heresy. The first stone that was cast in the war that would become the Horus Heresy was Erebus just dicking people over on Colchis. Like, he was <laughs> he was just being a little shit disturber for its own sake on on Colchis, just ruining other people's days for his own sake. And that's th- this thing that happened on Monarchia is what caused Lorgar to fall because Erebus is telling him to. Um, there was another note on that. Uh, oh, yeah, it was just that the the how I mentioned that this is kind of the first event, the first true event of the Horus Heresy. The Horus mm-hmm. Heresy wouldn't kick off for, like, I don't know exactly how long, but, like, it's still decades if not like a century away like it's still a long time coming this was just the first thing that got the ball rolling um because erebus taught lorgar about the uh the the forces of chaos and stuff Mm -hmm. but they couldn't just immediately separate they were like we can't fight the emperor he is yeah he has all these guys under him so so they had to uh they had to start gaining allies, and their their ultimate goal was we're going to get Horus on our side because Horus Lupercal was um, the primarch of the Sons of Horus or the Luna Wolves. He was the emperor's favorite, but all the other primarchs loved him to a degree. Most of the primarchs were kind of rivals; like they're all supposed to be brothers, but they all kind of they they all hated at least one other primarch. Like mm-hmm. they all had issues with each other. But everybody liked Horus. And so the idea was if we can get Horus on our side, we're really we're, screwing with We're going to win. Okay. If Horus falls, we win. Um, so, like, in the basically, Erebus from day one's running the long con. Like, he knows yeah. what his goal is from the minute he set out, minute he decided the Chaos Gods are watching him. He's like, I know what I'm going to do. And he knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Something else of substantial significance, like, he, they had to slowly, like, nitpick at their, or, like, pick away at the other Primarchs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Death Guard Legion. Erebus was buddies with, uh, Typh, uh, not Typhus. He was buddies with a guy named Callan, Callus Typhon, who would become Typhus, mm-hmm. who's the first captain of the Death Guard. Uh, really important there. Mortarion didn't really want to fall to Chaos, who was the Primarch of the Death Guard. He just didn't really like the Emperor. He thought he was kind of a dick, but he's like, Chaos, he didn't even know Chaos was a thing. Yeah. Typhus was a psyker, but he wasn't allowed to be a psyker because the Emperor forbade being psychic. Psychic, And Typhus was like, that's kind of a shit rule. And Erebus, being buddies with Typhus, was like, like, I I I know. know." He's like, I know ways you can be a very powerful psyker. And that's, like, that's how they they got the Death Guard. Planting seeds. Exactly. In everyone's mind. Yeah, he's just going to these warrior lodges. That's the thing, is he met Typhus at the warrior lodges. That's why I talked about the warrior lodges. Is he's going to these warrior lodges, just going up to people and, like, nudging him in the chow line and be like, hey, like, I know the Emperor said, like, you can't use your special snowflake. He's like, you can't be a special snowflake under the Emperor, but, like, with my guy, you can. He'll he'll (laughs) like you, right? Um, Typhus, uh... The biggest PR 
The biggest PR stunt. Oh, yeah, it's just a massive advertising campaign on Erebus's <laughs> part, just telling lies left and right. Like, it's probably saying stuff like, Slanesh is just about cuddles and hugs, man. And as soon as you do that, like, you've got people inside you. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the same kind of cuddles. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the same kind of cuddles. Cuddles <laughs> that involve, like, sticky tentacles and stuff. Um,. Typhus is is worth his own episode, uh, as are the Death Guard. But like basically, what happened here, as just an example of how Erebus worked, is he's convinced Lorgar chaos good. Now he's going in the Warrior Lodges and he's talking not to the Primarchs because he's like, I can't talk to the Primarchs. They're talking to the Emperor, but I can go to the guys that I know are mad about shit. And Typhus had been with Mortarion since like day one. They grew up together, kind of thing. And Typhus wasn't allowed to shine because of the rules set out by the Emperor. And in Typhus's mind, he kind of brainwashed Mortarion. Yeah. And now Erebus is telling him, you can shine. I'll get you there, champ. And because of that, like, Typhus is the one that brought his Legion down. It had nothing to do with Mortarion. Typhus betrayed the Legion and gave them to Nurgle. And mm-hmm. basically, Mortarion went with them because I was part of the package. Like, that was part of the deal. It gets more complicated than that, but basically, Erebus is going around betraying everybody, or corrupting everybody into betraying. Um, the biggest event, though, is, again, he was a chaplain. And you gotta keep in mind, the Space Marines back then were legions, and they were a lot more cohesive than they are now, where the chapters all kind of work different. The legions fought side by side, and they all had wildly different cultures, but they would share guys. Mm-hmm. Erebus being the best chaplain of the most chaplainy legion was seconded to the Luna Wolves, which is Horus's legion. Mm-hmm. And he went as, a, as an advisor to Horus, so now he's whispering in Horus's ear directly. At that time, the Luna Wolves were kind of engaged in a little conflict with the Interax, the guys we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, the interacts because it had humans in it and horus was actually a pretty good guy like horus is a very much like gilliman in a lot of ways um he didn't really want to go in full blast like he's like we can try to settle this diplomatically we can try to avoid outright conflict but they're on the edge because basically the the rules and laws set out by the emperor were saying anybody converting with aliens has to be killed so the interacts has to die and the Interex doesn't really know who the Imperium is and isn't convinced they're not servants of Chaos, despite the fact that none of them know what Chaos is. The Interex is like, you guys might be part of Chaos. We don't know who you are. We don't trust you. So they're kind of like very nervously looking at each other from across a divide. While that's happening, <laughs> Erebus sneaks into, I don't know if it's a city or a ship, but he sneaks into the Interex places Mm -hmm. and it goes to the hall of devices which is like a big museum they've built and just stuffed to the brim with wildly dangerous weapons and devices for display to the public for whatever i think what it actually is is it was like an archive that they'd be like these are just ancient things we keep them here so we have the knowledge in case we ever see it again right in the hall of devices the interex kept a sword i think it was called the kynebrack anathame or anathame uh it was basically like a chaotic sword like came out of the warp or something very very dangerous like it's it's a kind of thing that like no you, you get wounded by it there's no curing that wound it's like okay. a magic evil wound yeah, yeah. right 
Erebus goes and steals this, and then blows the fucking Hall of Devices up. Sure. Which the Interex take as an act of war from the Marines. So they attack the Marines, and then the Marines are forced to respond, and they basically wipe the Interex out. Okay. So he stole it. He basically did, like, the best heist job ever, where he broke into the museum, stole it, and then had the cops blow the fucking museum up for him. Like, they, they killed all the Interex. There's no, no evidence Erebus was ever there. Middle, middle, middle. Uh, Erebus had this weapon... And he handed it off to, it was like a governor or something. Like it was, it was, this is like, it's not of any importance to anything other than this one specific moment in this story. There's basically some planetary governor somewhere that was like going traitor or something. And Erebus kind of pushed him over that edge into being a traitor. And I'm sure it was something along the lines of like, Erebus was like seconded to the Luna Wolves. And then he was sub-seconded to this Imperial planet for whatever reason. And was like, hey, governor guy, like, I know you, you know how you're going to be more wealthy? Follow me, champ. And <laughs> gave him the chaos. So basically he, he tricked an entire planet into falling to chaos. Or not falling to chaos. Well, they... They fell to chaos, but this is before anybody knows what chaos is really. Yeah, yeah. So to the Imperium, they're just separatists. And they're like, okay, hey, we got to go kill the separatists. But when that happened, he made sure to give the kind back uh, anathame to the governor. He's like, hey, here's this like super dangerous secret sword, sword from fucking outside reality. Take this. And <laughs> don't ask why. Don't tell anybody where you got it. It's for you, champ. It's your, <laughs> it's your present from me to you. And he leaves. I don't know how Erebus managed to pull the strings like this, but basically he ensured this this planet separated from the Imperium, and he ensured the Luna Wolves, Horus's Legion, were the ones to respond. And somehow he made sure that when Horus showed up to fuck shit up in person, the governor stabbed him with this fucking sword. Right? <laughs> so he stabbed him with the sword. I assume they kill the whole planet or something. But now Horus is grievously injured and in severe pain, which, like, for a Primarch is a big deal because, like, th these dudes don't feel pain. They don't feel fear. And Horus yeah, is... Gone, yeah, Horus is not only in pain, but fearing his death now. Like, he's panicking. His legion are like, what the hell? Like, Dad's dying. How do we save it? And his legion are like, like, like his legion are mentally breaking down. They're like, they're wildly desperate to do anything to save it their Primarch. It can't happen. It's yeah. not possible. Yeah. yeah, they don't want to lose their Primarch. Like, uh -huh. they see their Primarch almost as highly as they see the, the Emperor. Like, mm -hmm. they, they do not want to lose him. And so they're trying everything they can to heal him. The apothecaries and medics can't do anything. So they're basically, like, pulling their hair out and just pleading with everybody. Being like, if any anything to help this, and Erebus comes along. Obviously. Starts yeah, doing his thing, <laughs> slicks his greasy hair back, and he's like, hey, uh, I know a guy. It's like, I know a guy that can help you with this. And they're like, anything, anything. And he's like, it might not work. And I, I like to picture this as, like, he's a <laughs> vacuum salesman coming in with his fucking checkered blazer. And it's like, you know, I, I might be able to help you, but, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it'll help, but maybe I got something for you. And they're like, anything, anything. And he's probably just overselling. They're like, you yeah, know, it's just a maybe. But they end up being like, yes, please. 
We'll do anything. Strange, Give it a gr- try, strange, yeah. greasy man that's been whispering in our Primarch's ear for the last several years. Please do your thing. <laughs> and so he's like, I know of this ancient ritual from Colchis that will call upon the Colchis gods to save the Primarch. And they're like, anything, anything, right? Desperate, desperate, desperate. So he does the ritual. Uh, it's probably just like a song and dance routine or something. He's just standing over horses, bleeding out body, doing jazz hands. Like, Basically, it causes Horus in this dying state to have visions. And there's a voice talking to him in these visions. And the visions he sees is of a future of the, the Imperium of Man, where the Emperor has turned himself into a god. He rules as a corpse from a golden throne, and the Imperium is ruled by a state of fear and paranoia. And everything is corroding, everything's falling apart. And it's just nonstop war. And the voices are telling him that the emperor wants to be a god and he's using you to get there. And if you let him be a god, this is the future that's coming for you. Is he will become a corpse god and the the Imperium will be ruled in darkness. Yeah. And they're like, but we will heal you. We will bring you back to life, but you have to promise to prevent this future. You have to prevent the emperor from from letting this happen, from making this happen. Yeah. And Horus wakes up, and he's he's like, the Emperor's been lying to us. The Emperor wants to... Because the whole time the Emperor said, gods are bad, I'm not your god. He told Lorgar, I'm not your god. And now he's seen this vision where he's like, the, the Emperor wants to be, be a, a god. god yeah. And if I don't rebel, he will become a corpse god, and he will... Leads, he will leads us him. into a dark... Not dark age, but... The obvious irony being, what turned that reality into fact is Horus rebelling. Exactly, yeah. So what it was, was the Chaos Gods were showing him the future that Horus created and telling him, if you don't rebel, this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, so they tricked him. And there's a lot of that that happens. There's a couple other Primarchs that that happened to, and I I love getting into that stuff, but that's why Horus turned, is because Erebus set this whole fucking thing in motion. Just to get Horus, and that's how he got Horus, was he did this big song and dance routine and had the Dark Gods give him this false vision of the future, and ironically made Horus set that future in motion. Um, From that point... uh, I don't don't think Erebus is really important after that point. Like, he... Well, good uh, enough, I think. Sorry? I think he's... Yeah, he, he... he was continually uh, in Horus's ear at that point. Like, he was always hanging around Horus at that point. He was still hanging around Lorgar, but he was always with Horus, always guiding him, always making suggestions. Because Horus took him as, like, you're the dude who saved me. He's like, you yeah. brought me back from death. You're a fucking genius. And in reality, Erebus is being told what to do by the Chaos Gods. The Chaos God, He's yeah. just telling Horus what to do because the Chaos Gods want it, right? Mm-hmm. Um... Now what happened with him is uh, the Horus Heresy happened, middle, middle, middle. They all go into the Eye of Terror. Erebus went with him. Um, he's currently, as I said at the beginning, a high-ranking Dark Apostle within the Word Bears Legion. Uh, he's hanging out on a world called Sicaris, which is a demon world, which is basically a world that exists within the Warp, and it's the home of the Word Bears. It's their world. It's basically just one giant church. Like how Earth, Terra, is yeah. basically one massive palatial temple yeah i assume that's what uh sicaris is it's just one big palatial temple um 
I mentioned a guy earlier, Corferon, uh, Lorgar's dad. Um, Erebus is basically always fighting him right now because when they went into the warp, Lorgar, <laughs> from the moment the Horus Heresy ended and they wound up in the warp, Lorgar just locked himself in his bedroom and has been in there for 10,000 years. Like, he locked himself in his room and started meditating and hasn't talked to anybody in 10,000 fucking years. <laughs> so in that time, the leadership of the Legion has fallen to Corferon and Erebus, and they're both equally scummy, and they're both equally massive dickheads, and they're both equally greasy, and they're constantly fighting each other for, like, total control of the Legion. Yeah. But that's basically all he's doing. Like, he hasn't, uh... He hasn't really done anything of note. Um weirdly despite his like devotion to the dark gods and the gods of chaos and despite everything he did to cause the imperium yeah. to be where it is now he's not a demon prince he's just a dude still and i think what it is is he just wanted it too bad because like yes he did he did serve the gods but like he is a narcissist and he did everything for himself and i think basically the gods were like no yeah. Like you're an easily manipulated or an easily manipulated little twat, and they just used him. Yeah. In the same way he because he used, used his weaknesses. He wanted he wanted he wanted it so bad or so yeah. narcissistic. He's like, oh, this is his weak point, so we're yeah. gonna like he, he try to he, corrupt and run through. Part him. of the problem too is he doesn't worship any one god. He worships chaos undivided yeah. as a whole, right? Yeah. Where the really powerful chaos champions like Karn, the betrayer of the world eaters, they all he's killed over a million people with his bare hands in the name of Corn yeah. and never lost a fight. And so Corn's like you're a cool dude and like typhus has gone from one edge of the imperium to the other making things stinky in the name of nurgle and nurgle's like that's pretty good bro like so but erebus has just been like look at how great i am i'm i'm picking at other people's weaknesses and all the gods are like that's literally the easiest option like yeah, you yeah. You're not important. Not, you're not, it's not no. outstanding. It's just like, yeah. He hasn't done anything. Um, nevertheless, like, I think he is a very interesting character. Uh, just because he's so central to the 40k story, but only for that first five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I keep mentioning, I think Lorgar is probably my, my first or second favorite Primarch is Lorgar. Um, because of the tragedy around him. I, I I love tragic villains in anything. And I think Lorgar is a very tragic villain. And you wouldn't have Lorgar's story without Erebus, right? It's all Erebus's fault. Um, in terms of importance, because uh, I think, I, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we were going to do this. This is a head to head. And you were going to talk about your guy, yep. uh, Drago there, but um. I figured if we did it in that format at the end of the episode, because we're just always going to be random characters we talk about, well, how important is your character to the lore? Uh-huh. I would say Erebus is extremely important to the 40k lore. Well, he's, uh, like we said, a stepping stone to exactly. what's led to the Erebus. He's extremely important in that first five yeah. minutes, and then you write him off and he never got talk five about him again. Of five minutes um, of... Uh, he, Gorian, then that's it. Just as a general interest point, too, he does have a model. Um, yeah. It's it's one of the Horus Heresy era ones. So you have to be playing the very expensive and like complicated game that is Warhammer 30k, not 40k, which runs, I think, on 7th edition. 
which as we talked about the other day, seventh edition was a nightmare of a game. Um, and it's also like all forge world models. So oh, it's, okay. it's insanely stupid. And it's $130 for it, a, mo- a one model. Or... Yeah. It's 130 bucks for a guy. Uh, but or one, dude. he, uh, yeah. he does have a model. And I just want to note that sadly, despite my love for the word bears, they have the worst looking model line because yeah. they're, they're just so painfully boring to look at. Like Lorgar, I think was one of the first, pri- like first characters they did. Lorgar, and such an important character. He's got the worst model. He's just a dude standing in like a very straight standard pose, and he's like mm. holding a mace just down to one side. Um, <laughs> and like they they have like burgundy colored armor. The word bears. So uh, fucking Erebus has a model, and like he just looks gross, which I think is the point. I think he should. Like his oh, whole his whole head is tattooed in fucking hymns and shit, but I think his model came as like a two set with Corferon, who has an equally bad looking model. Like their their heads just look weird and they're positioned weird and they're just two very bad models uh, for the price. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, I don't know how long we were running on that episode there for. Uh, let's take a look at what it says. Forty minutes. So that that is a shorter episode in whole. Um, had we done this properly with two characters, uh, that would have probably been about an hour, hour and a half episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we needed to talk about Erebus because, as I said, we're building up to the Horus Heresy. I don't know when we're actually going to get this head-to-head episode done, but you wanted to talk about Kaldor Drago of the Grey yep. Knights, yeah, which uh, yep. should be interesting because I know literally nothing about Kaldor Drago. And just before we started recording here, you were telling me about him. Yeah, um, briefly, uh, from the small things that yeah. I've read and things. The, the takeaway for me is yeah. he's a demon prince or something, a demon. A, a, he's a, a, demon he's a good guy version of a demon. He can't it's leave like the a, warp. He's like a grey knight cast into the warp. He's yeah. stuck there forever. But he helped his brother fight demons. He's waiting for his brother grey knights into the warp to fight demons. Yeah, he sounds like an intro. I'm excited he's to get into He's waiting him. there in the warp for his buddy to come and fuck people up. I, like, oh, yeah, they're, coming, they're uh, there. Let's kill them all. And then they're gone and it's just reminding the warp and just wait until the next wave. Yeah, I'm excited to get into <laughs> that. Um, I'm excited to have an episode where you're running things Roughly, too. Roughly, yeah. That's, um, that's what he's doing. Where what not... he's been doing now. Because he wasn't, he's never, before he was never, he's not, he's not always been stuck in the warp. Before the warp. When did he get stuck in the warp? I couldn't tell. I have to do more reading. That's something that's kind of shocking when you really get into reading the 40k lore and stuff. Because it's it's Warhammer 40,000, right? It's war in the 41st millennium. and But everything happens before. Everything happens in the last 200 years of the fucking millennium. Like, we were talking about uh, the Battle of McCrag the other day. Yeah. With uh, the Tyranids attacking McCrag. That was like 745M40. Or 745M41. So that's... Literally, like, the end of the 41st millennium is 999-M41. Yeah. 745-M41 is when the Tyranids first showed up. Space Marines live, on average, 300 years, so they were all around for that and the end of Cadia. And, like, the war for Armageddon, most important, one of the most important campaigns in the, the lore, that happened in 999 m41 like like everything of significance happened either in the horus heresy or ten thousand years later in the last 200 years of the millennium so it really should just be called like 
Warhammer last 200 years of the 41st K. <laughs> um, uh, no, but I'll, I'm uh, kind of excited to get into that and have an episode where uh, it's not just me going on for fucking 40 minutes. Uh, yeah. On that note, when we do get that Caldor Drago episode going, I don't know when uh, when that'll be because I do have the next uh, six-ish episodes planned out and they're all kind of... Um, I'm unhappy about this because I really did want to get into some lore and I have some ideas for some really good roundtable discussions that we're going to get some guys from the local shop on to talk about. Yep. Uh, but I I do have another character that I'm super excited to talk about um, hmm. named... Oh, what the fuck is it? Brother... Call him I guarantee nobody. Yeah, I guarantee nobody <laughs> will know who this character is or why I think he's one of the most important characters out there. Uh, but he is of no importance to the Horus Heresy or understanding much of the lore. So, um, just a one of. Yeah, I'm very excited to get into him, and you'll, you'll, I think you'll understand why when we talk about him. <laughs> okay. Um, and I'm not gonna say any more on him. Uh, big thing. The reason we were talking about Erebus today, though. Our next episode coming up is going to be the Imperial Truth and the Imperial Cult. And understanding the Imperial Truth and the Imperial Cult is a lot harder if you don't know who Erebus is and if we didn't talk about this. Okay. So I'm excited to get into that. Uh, I guess I should start mentioning to anyone who's listening, uh, you guys can find us on Facebook now. Yes. Because um, uh-huh. I, I set up – accidentally I set up two pages because I'm, I'm – so You set up – no, I set up a group <laughs> – and a page. Because I'm computer illiterate. You can find us on Facebook um, <laughs> at uh, what is what is the White Shield Podcast, I think. Yeah, it's just no, the that's of, correct. Uh, the White yeah. Shield Podcast, yeah. So go to the, the page, not the group. The group's defunct, but I can't figure out how to delete it. Um, so go to the page. But the White Shield Podcast on Facebook. Uh, I'm trying to work on getting a YouTube going. Yeah. Um, but despite my best best efforts i cannot figure out video editing and we don't own a camera yet so if you do find us on youtube and we actually have anything up it's probably just going to be a still image of our logo with the audio over top until down the road we are hoping to do uh actual small editing and yeah camera on either edited videos of just stagnant images or have a camera with us talking on it um i'd like to do uh what do you call it like like paint episodes or something where we can paint and talk and one of the guys i was gaming with the other day mentioned he'd like to do somewhere we just all get drunk and paint or something so that'd be fun to do on camera pick one of your old codecs and try to replicate oh that's fucking genius the terrain that they they say you can make a fucking bunker out of a cardboard and then you try to do it we'll bring out my uh fourth your old codex we'll bring out the fourth ed rule book and try to do because they have like the terrain in the back of that thing and they're like Look at that bunker. Yeah, like look. Two pieces of cardboard. <laughs> they give you a template that's like yeah. two pages, and it's like take this to your photocopier at work, and then the next page, they're like, see what we did with the photocopier at work. You're like, that's an entire table, and it looks real. Like it's it's like an eight foot table of like intricately designed <laughs> fucking terrain, and like there's pools of water with ripples. Oh, yeah, and you're yeah, like. Yeah. That was not done with a photocopier, you motherfuckers. <laughs> but, no, it'd be that's that's actually I like that because uh, like I said, yeah. it would be cool to do an episode on camera where we do like small stuff like that. Yeah, we have an hour or two hour challenge to paint a model, start to finish, but yeah. doing one where we each pick a model or a terrain shot and, then and do it. Yeah, that would be. I like that. We should do that. Uh, so yeah, check us out on get to us on Facebook. Uh, go subscribe to our barely existing youtube channel that has no videos on it yet but uh hopefully will one day and 
And you can yeah. find us on the it's uh, Anchor. Anchor. Yeah. Anchor.fm under the White Shield podcast. But uh, I don't know why I'm telling you that because that's the only place you're listening to us right now. Other than Spotify. We're on Spotify. So please like, subscribe, hit all those buttons, whatever they are. Um, and, yeah, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. We'll see you guys at the next episode.